and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church, and I just want to say we're really glad that you joined us today. If you're new to the church, make sure to visit us online at hilltopchurchnv.com and fill out one of the online connection cards. We'd love to get connected with you and just say hello. While you're there, you can also find out more information about the church, get connected with Bible studies, submit prayer requests, and even find other sermons on the website as well. Now, make sure that you have your coffee, have your Bible, and your notepad ready to go, because we're about to get started with today's message. Well, hey, good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. He is risen. Amen. There it is. Awesome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, I I don't know about you, but I wake up excited this morning. Um, My my name's Kurt. I'm so happy a lot of you are here to visit. Uh, The other thing I want to share with you, I I didn't know that all of you were going to be here, but I've been praying for you. Um, And so have other people. We've been praying for you. Uh, Today is just such an awesome day to remember what Jesus has done for us. Um, And uh, it's just just awesome. So this morning, Easter Sunday, right? And uh, and Christmas Eve, they're the two most attended days of the year. And I guess if you're only going to pick two years or two days to show up, uh, those are pretty good days, right? The days that commemorate uh, God becoming flesh in, 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 uh, in the person of Jesus and then his resurrection from the dead. Those are two pretty good days. If you're only going to pick two to commemorate. But my question for you is this, is do the realities of what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection, do the reality of those things and what we commemorate today, do you know that every day? Do you know resurrection life in Jesus Christ every day? Like 365, 24-7, maybe not 24-7. I mean, I'm not perfect either. But do you understand what that is? to have this life in Christ that you can't get anywhere else. And so I'm excited to be with you here today because I'm going to share what Jesus' resurrection means to each and every one of us. Uh, The other thing is, you know, why did you come here today? And for many of us, we did. We came here to, for fellowship. We came here to celebrate, to remember what Jesus has done. But for others, you know, maybe you came here today because, you know, it's what you're supposed to do. There's a sense of religious obligation. Uh, Maybe a family member drug you here. Maybe the circumstances of your life have pulled you away from the church in Jesus. Maybe actually somebody inside the church has hurt you. And you're like, I don't know about that place. I got hurt there once before. I'm not sure if I should go back there. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe you came here this morning with some pain and confusion stirring in your soul. Maybe you came back and you said, you know, let's give this Jesus thing one more try. Maybe, maybe, maybe he truly is the water of life and, and the emptiness that I feel and the thirst for life that I have. And when he says he ha- he'll give it to me, maybe, maybe today I'll find it. You know, maybe you just know there's something missing in your life. Maybe you know it. Something's not right. Something's missing. Something's off. And it doesn't matter where you go or what you try. It just, you never seem to feel full. And if, if that's where you're at, I'm so glad you're here because I want to share with you what Jesus has to offer you. This life that you can't get anywhere else, that there's a creator who knows you. He made you like, he's big, he's powerful. He made, he made the stars. He made the universe. He made the mountains that you go out there and look at that are amazing. Uh, he, he made all the way down to uh, the, the details of a cell, but you know what else he made? He made you. 
and he made you in his image for relationship with him. But the problem that we all face is that we've been, we've, we've walked away from God. We've stiff armed him. We've pushed him back and we've said, we're going to figure this thing out for ourselves. And so we try all that the world has to offer and we indulge our flesh and we fall into these traps that we go to over and over again, thinking that's the crutch that'll finally give me life. You know, maybe that's the place where I could finally feel fulfilled. And you, maybe you do for a minute or a night, but then it's gone again. And Jesus, he shows up and he says, I have something way better for you than that. I have something far greater than that for you and it's relationship with him. And so I don't know why you came here this morning, but if you are earnestly seeking truth, love and life, I want to introduce you to the source of all three and his name is Jesus. If you already know him in this way, we are here to celebrate and just lift up him in the glory that he deserves for what he's done in our lives. But if you're not here earnestly seeking truth, I mean, I guess you could look at the clock and count the minutes until you can get out of here. You could play on your phone. You could, you could crave the sin that you've, by the way, if you, if you haven't turned your phone off, please do. We're like five for five the last five weeks, somebody's phone going off. Um, if you're gonna play on it, do it quietly. It's like I'm talking to my kids. I'm just kidding. Um, but you could, you could do that. You, you could crave the sin that you've made a crutch to lean on and, and wait for the next time you can taste it again. You could tune out. I'm hoping you'll choose the first option. I'm hoping that you'll earnestly seek truth. And let me just say this for those of you in the room. If you know Jesus in this way, will you be praying while I talk uh, that, that my words would just be God's words? That, uh, that the people that you love and care for, that they would hear what God has to say to them this morning? Can you join me in that? For those watching online, can you join me in that? Let me pray. Father, we thank you this morning that uh, you are truth, love, and life. Your son Jesus showed up and he showed us the truth. You, you, uh, in eternity past, you knew our plight, you knew our sin, you knew our rebellion against you, and you determined that you would give yourself, your one and only son, who we know as Jesus, that he would live a sinless life, that he would be perfect in every way, and that the perfect, spotless lamb of God would give his life as a sacrifice so that our sins could be wiped away once and for all. And then, God, you, you rose him from the dead. You, you, you showed your approval and you vindicated his person and his work by the power of the Spirit raising him from the dead. And then he appeared to many eyewitnesses. And we have this truth, this testimony of who you are and what you've done and your love for us. And I, uh, we want to proclaim it and celebrate it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to join me in Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 28 with you. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. Uh, a good use for your phone is, you know, the YouVersion Bible app. If you want to throw that thing on there, you can join me there. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. Um, and uh, if you don't know your Bible really well, about halfway through, a little more than halfway through, two-thirds, you'll find the book of Matthew. Um, it's the first book of the New Testament. If you run into Mark or Luke or John, you've gone too far. Um, but uh, join me there. And a little bit of what's going on here, this is going to be, Jesus was, we celebrated Good Friday, uh, this last Friday, and that's the, the remembrance of Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our sins once and for all. Uh, Saturday has gone by, the, the Jewish people called Saturday the Sabbath, and in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, it says, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. 
There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples of the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up, took hold of him, excuse me, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. By the way, if, if you ever worship a person, that's weird. Um, only God is deserving of that. So as they bowed down at Jesus's feet and worship him, worship him, this is a statement of his deity. Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and I will see them there. So he goes ahead of them. In the meantime, uh, the Jewish authorities that have been fighting against Jesus for his three years of public ministry and uh, they've put him to death. Well, now they've got a problem, a real problem. And verse 11 says, so as they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. We saw an angel. We were freaked out. We fell down like dead men. We didn't know what to do. The, the tomb was rolled away. The body was gone. Well, what, I, we don't know what to do. Um, and in fact, we're afraid for our lives because we've failed what we were supposed to do as guards. And they're probably expecting to be put to death. Verse 12, after the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. They go, sounds like a deal, money and not dead. Um, so they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among the Jewish people to this day. Now, that story that started there a couple thousand years ago that Jesus didn't die, maybe, maybe he swooned, maybe he took uh, uh, a chemical or an herb and then he looked like he was dead, but he wasn't actually dead and then he rose from the dead or, or his disciples, they stole the body and then they've been sharing this lie that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, they, they, they're so committed to this lie that the vast majority of them were either exiled or, or put to death because of their faith in Jesus. And so uh, that, those have been some of the things that have been said over the years. As we were gearing up for Easter, one of the things that we wanted to do is we just wanted to make sure that people in the community knew that they could come here uh, Easter morning. And so we, we did a little ad on Facebook and we put it out there and uh, you know how Facebook works. I forgot to turn the comments off. Um, and so down there in the bottom, a fellow comments and he's just in, in all caps, it says farce. Um, and I'm not here to be rude to that guy. I, I would be happy to have coffee with him. But the idea that, that you know, this is a lie. Uh, that, that Jesus rose from the dead. This is a lie. Well, that didn't start on Facebook last week. Like, this is something that people have been saying for 2,000 years. His body was stolen. He, he didn't actually die. He just swooned. Uh, you know, all these types of different things have been there. Uh, and, and so what I want to do is I go through this. I'm going to show you that there's actually 12 appearances that Jesus, I don't know why I hold up five. There's 12 appearances of Jesus after his death and resurrection that the Bible records. But what Jesus does from here is this, in verse 16, it says he goes ahead and 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the, excuse me, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. 
When he saw them, and when he saw when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you know where this goes from here, Jesus, he, he does this. He gives them the great commission. After a period of 40 days and many appearances, he then ascends into heaven and tells the disciples that they should go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit so that they could then carry out this mission that God has given them. And then from there, you have the book of Acts and how the gospel traveled through the known Roman world. And then if you know your history from there, the gospel then moved to Europe and Asia and then made its way across the sea to where we are now in South America and every continent on earth. Uh, this truth of who God, who, of who Jesus is, the plight that each and every one of us faces and God's rescue plan to save us through the work of Jesus Christ. It, it's made it everywhere. You can't stop it. And so there's 12 appearances that the Bible records of Jesus resurrected from the dead before his ascension. Uh, one of them, the first one is an early morning appearance near the tomb with Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20. Mary shows up to the tomb and she's there to weep and mourn and she finds the tomb rolled away and Jesus isn't there and she sees two angels and she turns around and she sees someone that she mistakes for the gardener and Jesus looks at her and he says her name. He says, Mary. And he know, she knows right then and there that it's Jesus. Have you experienced that? That moment where God calls your name? And he speaks into your life and he calls your name and, and you know right then and there, this is it. I don't have to search anymore. I have found the Messiah. I have found the one who can rescue me from my sin. I have found the Lord of all, the creator of everything, the one who conquered sin and death. D have you experienced that? The next appearance is the, woman re the women returning to the tomb here in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus then appears to Peter near Jerusalem later that day. That's recorded in Luke 24. He appears to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's also in Luke chapter 24 or Mark 16. He appears, Jesus appears that evening in Jerusalem to the apostles, all of them except Thomas. That's in Mark 16 and John 20. He appears Sunday evening at Jerusalem to all the apostles and especially Thomas. That's in John chapter 20. At the end of the month of April, he appears to seven disciples fishing at the Sea of Galilee. That's John chapter 21. Here in chapter 28, he appears to 11 disciples on the mountain in Galilee. Paul records in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus appeared to over 500 disciples all at once, as well as another appearance to James. Jesus appears to the apostles and probably others during 40 days prior to his ascension. That's Acts chapter 1. It says that over a period of 40 days, Jesus made many appearances. And then in Acts chapter 1 or Luke chapter 24, Jesus appears at the Mount of Olives near Bethany at his ascension. Those are the 12 that the Bible records. There's actually more that the Bible records after Jesus' ascension, that he returns and he appears to Paul on the road to Damascus. And there's other appearances that Jesus has uh, as, as a resurrected God, the resurrected God. Um, you hear all those, and, and did you know that there's actually more historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar lived? Right. 
And so if you're going farce, I'd encourage you to do some digging. Because there's answers to the questions. There's reason to believe. But more important than that is the changed lives. If you know Jesus resurrected from the dead and you've heard him call your name, you know the transformation that's taken in your life. And so there's the historical evidence, but then there's, there's a couple millennia of people saying, I was once this, I met Jesus, and now I'm this. I, I, you know, like this story where I used to be blind, I don't know what he did, but now I can see. And we've all experienced something like that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know what it is to walk around in darkness and be blind and search for life and never get it. And then all of a sudden you meet Jesus and the truth of who he is is death on the cross and the, the consequences of your sin being wiped away and his resurrection from the dead, giving you new life and his spirit indwelling you. Like, you know this. And so go one more place with me in your Bible and it's going to be first John chapter five. First John chapter five. It's, it's uh, right, right, right at the end of your Bible. If you get to 2 John or Revelation, you've gone too far. But John is one of the disciples that followed Jesus. He met him in a young age. He wrote the Gospel of John, and he also writes three letters to churches. Um, he was an elder in Ephesus for a while. He was a major leader of the church there. He was then... Uh, exiled to the island of Patmos and had a vision that we call the book of Revelation, which we'll start studying next week. If you want to come back next week and find out what Revelation is about, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that next week. But he says this at the beginning of 1 John chapter 5. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we when we love God and obey his commands. For this, is what, for this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by the water and the blood, not only by, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is truth. For there are these three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. Okay, what's he talking about? Water, blood, and spirit. What's, what's John talking about? Water is a reference to Jesus' baptism. And when Jesus was baptized, a voice spoke from heaven. Fa the Father spoke from heaven. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Do listen to what he says. And so uh, there's this transference or an understanding for the people that heard this, that when they see Jesus, they see God's son. When they see Jesus, they see someone who is divine by his very nature. That, that, that uh, Paul would later say that Jesus is the exact representation of God. They are the same thing. When you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. 
And so this is a statement of his deity. And then when he says, and that he also came in the blood, this is a, re- a reference to Jesus' death, that he came as a human. He came in human likeness so that he could take our consequences on himself. He, he lived a sinless life. He was perfect and spotless. And he went to that cross to pay for our sins so that we could be cleansed and forgiven. And then he rose from the dead. That's what he's talking about with the spirit. The spirit testifies to this as well. Because if Jesus had stayed in the grave, if he wasn't risen, he was just another crazy guy that thought he was the Messiah. Or he was a liar claiming to be the Messiah, but he wasn't. But if God rose him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he is Lord of all. So he says these three are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his son. The one who believes in the son of God has this testimony within himself. If you, if you know this, if you know Jesus and you know his death, burial, and resurrection as the means to deal with your sin and wipe it out once and for all, and his resurrection is the way that God has blessed you with his grace so that you could become a new creation, if you know this, then this testimony is in you. It's not just something that you read on a page. It's not a box that you check on a survey. Muslim or Christian? I guess Christian. No, you've experienced it. It's not a box you check. It's a life you have. It's a relationship with the God of the universe that you know. The one who believes in the son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him, God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. These are bold words. In essence, what John is saying here is that you know that deep down inside of you, you are fundamentally broken. You know that deep down inside of you, every time you try to find life in an experience on this earth or with a relationship with another person or in a possession or whatever it is that you go and search out, it doesn't fill you. You know it. You know it's temporary. You know it doesn't last. You know it doesn't bring transformation. You know that your own efforts can't change you. You know it. Maybe you're 20 and you're skinny now. Wait till you're 40 and you try and diet. It it doesn't work. You can't. Your own ability will not transform you. You need a savior. You need God to come alongside you. And he has. You need the person of God to come alongside you, and he has. We need him to show up in flesh. We need him to take on the consequences of our sin. We need him to eradicate who we were before we knew him and bring us back into relationship with him through his resurrection from the dead. And if you don't believe that, God says you've lied to yourself. You've lied to yourself. Can I tell you, I was really good at lying to myself at one point in time in my life. I was really good at lying to myself. Telling myself over and over again, this'll do it, give it a try. Maybe it's in your work and how well you can perform. Maybe it's in a relationship with a girl. Maybe it's a, you know, you try over and over again. You lie to yourself over and over again. And it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And eventually I had to stop lying to myself and say, I am fundamentally broken at my core and I need help. 
And in my position and state of help, I'll tell you where I looked. It was to the person and work of Jesus, the spotless lamb of God who dealt with my sin once and for all, raised me from the dead. In his resurrection, I was raised from the dead too. And I have new life. I can act like a lunatic and let my flesh have control over me at times, but that's not who God's made me. And so are you lying to yourself? Or will you listen to what God has to say to you? Verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Listen to verse 12. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son of God does not have life. A pulse does not make you alive. There's more to it than that. There's this God who longs to be with you. There's this God who loves you. There's this God who created you, who made you. And can I tell you what each and every one of us have done? We have thrown out the stiff arm. He comes in for the hug and we say, no. I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna pave my own path. I'm gonna carve out my own way. I'm gonna make a name for myself. And as we stiff arm him, we inevitably hurt ourselves and others. And as we do that, he calls that sin. The, the pushing away of God and the harm of others, he says, that's sin. That's missing the mark. And you say, well, maybe I could do better. I'll, I'll be nice to people. I'll be good to people. Just be nice, dude, right? Like I'll give that a go and maybe God will be happy with me then. And you may even do some nice things for some people, but it's not enough because you're not doing them for God's glory. You're doing them for your glory. And you weren't created for your glory. You were created for his glory. And so even even when you try to do the right thing with the wrong motive, you still sin. And so do I. And so God says, let me pay for it. I'm sending my son. He's dealing with it. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to make you new. and I'm going to give you new life. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son of God does not have life. Now listen, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John 17, three says, Jesus says that this is eternal life. It's to know the father and the son whom he sent. Like he's saying, if you want to know what eternal life is, it's relationship with your creator. It's not relationship with somebody else. You won't find eternal life in another person. It's not relationship with your kids. It's not relationship with your job. It's not relationship with your possessions. It's not relationship with great experiences. The only place you can have eternal life is in relationship with your creator. And so you can lean on the crutch and numb yourself, or you can say, I have a problem and I need Jesus. I need him to forgive me and give me relationship with my creator. I can't do it on my own. There's a, there's a wall dividing us. But when Jesus yelled on the cross, it is finished. He broke the chains to your slavery to sin and he gives you new life through his resurrection. Do you hear me? Finish with this, 1 Timothy 3.16. And most certainly, the mystery of God, godliness is great. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, made known to us in his person, vindicated in the spirit, proven to be God by his resurrection from the dead, 
seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And so I'll ask you one more time this morning, why are you here today? Are you yearning for freedom? Do you want to quench that thirst that your soul constantly feels? Do you long to know the healer of your soul? You see, because Jesus is the remedy to your plight and the end to your search. Are you earnestly seeking truth, love, and life? Have you found all three and then some in Jesus? If you have, will you stand with me right now and pray? Father, we thank you for this message, this testimony that we have, that you, that you love us so much that you gave your one and only son that all who believe in him would not experience death, but instead you would give us eternal life. And that eternal life isn't something we wait for after we die. It's something that we experience now as we're united to you through uh, the new covenant relationship that you have given us, this, this grace-based relationship that we have with you. And so God, for those of us who know you as uh, your son Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, we praise you and we proclaim to those in our lives that if they're looking for life and they want to give up this, this pointless search and finding it somewhere else, that they would turn to you. We thank you that your resurrection from the dead proves uh, Jesus. It proves that you are the one true God. You are the son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are Lord of all. And we want to thank you that in spite of our sin and our wandering from you, you came to seek and save the lost and make us your children again. We praise you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you to continue taking steps towards seeking and understanding God's truth. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God, and we're so glad that you are a part of the family.